you know the routine, whether it's a vacation, weekend night out, friend's birthday, or the holiday season, it seems there's always an opportunity to have a drink. And with alcohol being the most popular, legal, and socially acceptable drug in the U.S., it's not uncommon for you or someone you know to easily consume multiple drinks in a night, maybe every night. And hey, that's okay. It certainly doesn't make you a bad person, but you may want to know how that alcohol could be costing you time, money, energy, and negatively impacting your health and relationships. That's what we're discussing today on the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, where each week you will hear the real-world experiences, life lessons, and guided principles that every highly driven man needs to master their health, productivity, and relationships by sharing conversations with the world's most successful people in fitness, nutrition, supplementation, and mindset. Meet your host, Benjamin Brown. He is a fitness and nutrition expert, consultant to Fortune 500 companies and world championship sports teams, a husband and father of three, and has been helping men transform their physiques optimize their energy, and own their fatherly mission since 2005. Thank you for joining us today, and without further ado, let's jump right in. We've all heard that alcohol intake can negatively impact our fat loss and muscle building goals, but is that really true? Today we'll dissect some of the commonly held beliefs and misconceptions about alcohol intake, including do alcohol calories count and is alcohol more fattening than other calories? What happens in our body when we drink alcohol? Are there any health benefits to alcohol intake? We'll address some of the known and unknown side effects of drinking, the impact of alcohol on testosterone and muscle mass, And should you choose to drink alcohol, I'll provide you with three quote-unquote rules that all help you make the most informed choices possible. Additionally, I'll discuss some of my personal beliefs and practices around alcohol intake, why I choose to eliminate it completely for periods of time throughout the year, as well as how we should be viewing our alcohol intake with respect to our relationships, stress tolerance, personal and professional growth, and long-term health and happiness. As always, if you love what you hear on the show, then do me a favor and subscribe, leave a positive rating and review, and share this episode with a friend or loved one whom you think could benefit. And if you want to talk about working with me personally, I'd love to chat. Just schedule your free nutrition strategy call over at www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. Okay, with that said, here we go. We've all heard that alcohol intake can negatively impact our fat loss and muscle building goals, but is that really true? Today, we'll dissect some of the commonly held beliefs and misconceptions about alcohol intake, including do alcohol calories count and is alcohol more fattening than other calories? What happens in our body when we drink alcohol? Like physiologically, what happens? Are there any health benefits to alcohol intake? We'll address some of the known and unknown side effects of drinking, the impact of alcohol and testosterone and muscle mass, as well as um, should you choose to drink alcohol? And I'll provide you three rules that will help you make the most informed decisions possible. So you may or may not know that 
and multiple times throughout the last year, I've eliminated, completely eliminated alcohol from my life uh, as a means to help me improve my health, improve my sleep, improve my body composition, my productivity, as well as more intangibly or subjectively improve my relationship with not only myself but my family. And I think that's a very big element to both the pros and the cons of alcohol uh, is with respect to our relationship. So I'll dive into that in a little bit. So let me just dissect that a little bit here in terms of most recently. So I'm about three weeks into um, another kind of elimination mode of alcohol. So the last day I'm, I'm recording this here on um, the 16th of January. And uh, the last drink that I had was December. Maybe it was on Christmas Day. Maybe the day after Christmas. And um, my wife and I just kind of decided, you know, we've kind of been drinking a fair amount consistently. And it's, it's sort of a slippery slope for me is I, I can very easily get in the habit of drinking something every single day, whether it's a beer or a glass of wine or a hard drink. And I find that over time, it progressively starts to escalate and not to the point where it's problematic from a behavioral standpoint. Like I don't get drunk per se, but I feel like the the problem inherently is how I'm using alcohol as a mask, mostly for stress management, which starts to bleed into the side effects start to bleed into other areas of my life. And that's why I think it's important to share with you some of the common and not so common effects of alcohol intake. You know, I know for myself, uh, it can be an issue. And so I've found it extremely valuable. So throughout the last, throughout 2019, I probably went cumulatively about four months of the year without drinking anything, which for me, I felt was phenomenal. It was phenomenal for all of the aforementioned reasons of helping me improve my sleep, which therefore contributed to improved energy and productivity and mental clarity and focus to say nothing of helping me improve my relationships with my children and my wife and feel like I'm, you know, mentally and emotionally present with them. And uh, so that for me is extremely profound to the degree that coming into 2020, we all want to start the year with a bang. And so what better thing that I feel I can do and my wife was absolutely, in fact, I think this was her idea and obviously I was glad to support her in this is, hey, let's just cut out booze and, and see what happens. And it's really been a phenomenal few weeks for me, so much so that just specifically within the last week, I've really started to notice the positive benefits that I can't say I was necessarily experiencing before when I was drinking intermittently or a few drinks a week. Uh, and and what I'm referring to is really just a massive uptick in energy. And I wouldn't necessarily say that my sleep has improved so much. I think I'm getting better quality sleep. So my duration isn't necessarily improved, but my sleep quality has been way better. Um, and I'm waking up early. I have great energy all day. I haven't really felt the need to be taking as many naps. And I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of, as you probably heard, uh, of napping um, kind of just for like 10 or 15 minutes a day. But I really haven't felt that much of a need. And I'll tell you 
some of the other things that I've been doing because I don't think this acts in isolation. There's definitely other confounding variables that have contributed to this, but but nonetheless, I mean, I really feel like it's been valuable for me. I've had a lot more energy again at night um, to be present with my kids. I feel like I've been much more involved. I've been much more patient and tolerant and just present with them, which I mean, if you're a parent, you know how important that is. And I really felt like just over the scope of me playing around with this alcohol abstinence, uh, that is probably one of the most potent elements uh, that I was missing of feeling like I was present and not only feeling like I was present, but, you know, just wanting to be present with them, as sad as I am to say it. Um, and so I feel like I've kind of turned a corner there and, and may or may not be because of the booze. I don't know. But all I know is right now I'm not drinking anything and I feel good with it. And it's not going to last forever. That's for sure. Um, and I'm cool with that, too. And um, so let's let's talk about some of these things. Just some, talk about some of the scientific facts around alcohol. And you can kind of make the decision whether or not it's for you. You can rationalize. You know, maybe you can use this as a way to rationalize your current intake or maybe you can use it as a way to rationalize cutting it out for any period of time, which I'll, I'll preface this whole thing by saying, I think everyone should go 30 days, no alcohol, and see how it impacts them in every area of their life and be very objective uh, about it. You know, let's jump in and talk about alcohol, talk about caloric intake and what happens to our body when we drink alcohol. So I think a lot of people wonder as well, do alcohol calories count? You know, is is alcohol something that contributes to fat storage? You know, how does that all work? How are the different alcohols different? And the short answer is yes. Alcohol calories absolutely do count and quite significantly, but very differently than the other macronutrients. So we know we have protein and carbs and fats. And all of those are essential nutrients that we need to get from our diet that the body can't necessarily manufacture on their own, certainly not carbohydrates. And all of those macronutrients have different caloric values. But alcohol, while it does have a caloric value, it's not essential. It's not an essential nutrient, meaning we don't get any vitamins, we don't get any minerals. We do get energy from it. Uh, it does provide energy in the body, um, but not in the way that the other macronutrients do. So, you know, protein we know helps build muscle and, and, and structures in our bodies like organs and joints and muscle tissue and carbs provide energy for the brain and the muscles and fats help build with hormones and regulate inflammation and kind of create this cellular membrane, this phospholipid membrane that's so terribly important in, in our health. Uh, and protein, as you're probably aware, protein has four calories per gram. Carbohydrates have four calories per gram. This is in terms of their energy density and fat has nine calories per gram. And I've talked before about how fat is very calorically dense, more than twice what carbohydrates and proteins are. And so alcohol, unlike these protein, carbs, and fats, like I said, these are non-nutritive calories. They are empty calories, as you may have, may have heard, in the sense that these alcohol calories cannot support our body's metabolic processes. They do nothing for our muscle tissue or cellular health or hormones uh, in any productive or meaningful way. So what happens when we ingest alcohol? Because I talked about how protein's four calories per gram, carbs are four, fat's nine. Alcohol is actually seven calories per gram. 
So it's very calorically dense relative to protein and carbs and, and quite close to fat as uh, you know, a calorically dense nutrient. Uh, so other than providing energy, alcohol calories do not help regulate, like I said, any of these biological processes in the body. And there's no storage system for alcohol in the body. So we have to metabolize it and excrete it upon consumption. So if you think about eating, if we're eating or drinking any kind of carbohydrate, we have the liver and we have the muscles as a means to store those calories for fuel. But unlike carbohydrates, alcohol, there's no storage system. So when we drink alcohol, those calories become what we call preferentially metabolized. And that means that um, we convert all energy resources to metabolizing, to breaking down those calories and getting rid of those calories. So that's an extremely important component in this whole spectrum of the, the benefits or the detriment of alcohol intake, intake, especially when we're talking about calories and especially when we're talking about weight loss or weight gain, because as we all know, what contributes most to weight loss and weight gain is our total caloric intake, our net calorie intake. And if we're in a calorie deficit, whether it's protein or carbs or fats or alcohol, then in all likelihood, we should be losing weight. If we're in an energy surplus or a calorie surplus, then we're definitely not going to be losing weight. In fact, we will probably be gaining weight in all likelihood coming from uh, fat mass, depending on what our training and energy output looks like. So by that rationale is just understanding that alcohol is not necessarily better or worse than any other any of the three macronutrients. Uh, it certainly is calorically dense, but relative to our total calorie intake, it doesn't make it good or bad. If we are drinking so much that it's putting our calories into a surplus, or we're consuming more calories than we're expending, we're going to be gaining weight, likely going to be gaining some body fat. If we are in a calorie deficit, irrespective of the fact that we're consuming alcohol in really any amount, and, and I think there's definitely a caveat in that, but let's just say it's from, you know, a few drinks a week or something of that nature, then, and we're still in a deficit, then we should be losing weight should be losing body fat. Again, that's going to depend on kind of what we're doing from a training demand, what our other macronutrients are looking like, uh, an energy output standpoint. I hope that makes sense for you because I think that's an incredibly important component, especially when people talk about, you know, is alcohol more fattening than other nutrients? Is are certain types of alcohol more fattening than other types of alcohol? I've heard that IPAs are more fattening than light beers. I've heard that margaritas are more fattening than straight shots of tequila. And the answer is no, that's not accurate. It's not scientifically accurate. What matters most is how the calories are adding up. Now, within that is certain alcohols and drinks have different calorie amounts based on what's in them. So a single shot, which is you know around 40% alcohol, 
uh, is around 14 grams of alcohol, and that's about 100 calories. So one shot of, I think that's like a, an, an ounce and a half of whiskey or tequila or vodka, that's going to be roughly 100 calories. It doesn't matter whether it has carbs or doesn't have carbs. It has a certain amount of alcohol in it, and alcohol has 7 calories per gram. So if it has 14 grams of pure alcohol, you times that by 7, and I think that should equate to roughly around 100 calories. Now, a glass of wine has some added sugar in it, depending on the type of wine, whether it's a red wine or a white wine or a rosé or a dry red wine or a glass of champagne uh, or a very sweet wine. Um, those can have varying degrees of sugar in them in addition to the alcohol content. So a glass of wine has somewhere around 150-ish calories in it. And that's let me be clear, this is a glass of wine, and I think a glass of wine is five ounces. Now, most of us will pour significant, if you've, I, I would encourage you, if you're curious, go ahead and measure out a five-ounce glass of wine, and what you'll realize is that most of what we pour is significantly more than five ounces. So if we're having, we say we're having a glass of wine, in all likelihood, it's probably way more than 150 calories. Again, depending on whether it's a drier wine or a like a dry wine or champagne or sweet wine, it, it can be anywhere from 125 to 195 calories based on one serving. Now compare that to something like a margarita. Margarita has the alcohol, but it has a ton of sugar from, well, sugar itself, then also juice mixed in. And that is an absolute calorie bomb. So is one of these more fattening than the other? And, and I think a margarita could be, geez, you know, depending on the size, we've all seen these fishbowl-sized margaritas. That freaking thing could be 1,500 calories, maybe even more, I don't know. Except to say that, is one of these more fattening than the other? Well, the answer is no. What matters most is the amount of calories in these drinks. So, and not just necessarily thinking about it in terms of the alcohol itself. The the drinks with the most sugar in them are going to contribute the most to our daily calorie intake and therefore put us potentially into a calorie surplus, which is going to make us gain weight. It's as simple as that. Hey brother, are you struggling to find the energy to function at your best as a businessman, father, and husband? I want you to know you're not alone. And sadly, the conventional wisdom these days around healthy eating and exercise that has saturated the mainstream is flat out wrong. If you want to find the solution to optimizing your energy and body composition without restrictive dieting, soul-crushing workouts, or adding more to your already stressful and overflowing schedule so that you can finally function like the man you know you can be, then we need to chat. Are you ready to move from exhausted to energized by working smarter, not harder? Go ahead and schedule your free strategy call at www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. I'm looking forward to our conversation and enjoy the rest of the show. And so a couple key points here. One is if you're consistently eating too many calories, whether it's from protein, whether it's from fat, whether it's from carbs, or any combination of the above, including alcohol, you're going to get fatter. You're going to gain weight, period. It really is as simple as that. Now, if you are concerned about preventing gaining fat while you're drinking, 
then you obviously need to pay attention to your total calories from your alcohol intake in addition to your overall diet. And what I would suggest you do is there's a couple other podcasts I've done. Um, I think just off the top of my head, the one that I did most recently on how to manage your calories without counting, um, I think that was episode number 85. I would encourage you to go check that out. And if that's of concern, right, you're most concerned with gaining weight, then you need to manage your calories. And so whether you decide to start tracking your calories in a calorie tracking app or use one of the strategies that I've outlined previously um, as a means of, of tracking, whether it's by just Uh, well, you can go ahead and go and listen to the episode. You need to start to pay attention to those in addition to the types of alcoholic drinks that you are consuming. Now, the other component of this is, and, and I'll get into this here in a little bit, but it's the fact that when I say alcohol is preferentially metabolized, right? When you eat, drink alcohol, all of our resources go to, it's almost as if alcohol is a poison. And I really want to try not to use the word toxin, but for all intents and purposes, alcohol is perceived as a toxin or AKA kind of a poison in the body in that all of our body's resources are prioritized to getting it out of our body. Now, with that said, what that means is, especially in the context of fat loss, is that if we have a whole bunch of calories in our system, let's say from, well, sugar, right? If we're drinking an alcoholic beverage that has a ton of sugar in it, well, then if our body's focused on getting rid of the alcohol itself, then we're going to actually be putting the sugar burning or the fat burning or the protein burning on the back burner, which actually makes it much more likely that we store those calories as fat. And what do we do typically when we drink? We typically eat foods that are higher in calories, higher in carbohydrate, higher in fat. I tend to think of things like burgers and fries and pizza and maybe fast food um, or just higher volumes of food. And the problem with that, so again, is it does come down to calories, but... But some one of the nuances here is that those calories are going to be much more likely stored as fat during the time when our alcohol is present in our system because our body has is preferentially metabolizing. It's focused on burning those alcohol calories before it even worries about burning any of those other things. I think that's a really important component. So what I'll talk about in just a little bit towards the end is I'll talk about some of the strategies for what to consume when you are drinking. Because you're going to drink, which is fine. Again, it's totally fine, assuming you can do it within reason, within quote-unquote moderation, as much as I don't really like that word. Uh, my My grandfather always used to say, everything in moderation, including moderation, which I wholeheartedly agree with. But you get the idea. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a few drinks throughout the week um, as part of a healthy diet, as part of a healthy lifestyle, and as part of a fat loss plan, depending on the person and depending on where you are in your journey. So yeah, I think that's really important component. With that said, is let's let's dive into some of the health benefits because so many people say, well, what about the resveratrol and what about the brain 
benefits and what about all the cultures throughout the world that you know drink red wine and and have um, you know the highest longevity they live the longest and so on and so forth so let's talk about that just very briefly and what some of the scientific evidence says and i'm not going to dive into this too much but i think it's it's worth mentioning. So one of the things, the first benefit of alcohol intake is there seems to be an improved insulin sensitivity with a few drinks each week. And so just we're on the same page here. Insulin is your body's main carbohydrate storage hormone that is released when we eat carbohydrate. Insulin is released and it helps us shuttle those sugars into our cells to be utilized as fuel. The more insulin sensitive we are, the better we can do with our carbohydrates and the less insulin we necessarily need um, to process the carbs that we're eating. Now, if you're diabetic, if you're type 2 diabetic, then you are very insulin resistant, uh, which means your body needs to produce much more insulin, right? The cells are resistant to the effect of the insulin uh, as a means of shuttling those sugars into the cells. And so it needs much more insulin to process the carbs that you are eating, which is a much uh, less healthy environment, a much less e efficient, much uh, more unhealthy environment, which contributes to weight gain um, and all of the other you know, negative health consequences of storing more fat, especially around our midsection when you're not eating healthier foods um, and the insulin resistant. So if you are more insulin resistant, which it does seem like a few drinks a week could contribute to this, then you're going to be um, better at burning body fat, potentially greater at building muscle, you'll have more stable energy levels, and if you are more insulin resistant, then it's going to be easier for you to gain weight, uh, not as effective at gaining muscle mass. You're going to have more fatigue more, and, and lower energy levels. Now, let's be honest here in saying that is drinking alcohol going to be any more effective at improving insulin sensitivity than some of the things that we absolutely know contribute to improved insulin sensitivity, which is strength training multiple times per week doing different uh, intensity bouts of cardio, both slow and long duration cardio, as well as high intensity bouts of cardiovascular exercise. Eating, you know, moderate to low amounts of carbohydrate, depending on the person, how much body fat you have and how insulin sensitive you already are. Um, doing various forms of intermittent fasting, which I've talked about, and then using specific supplements to improve insulin sensitivity. So, you know, I think it's inaccurate to just look at this and, and try and rationalize and cherry pick this and say, well, research shows that, you know, a few drinks per week makes me more insulin sensitive when you're not doing any of the other things that we absolutely know contribute in a meaningful and, and positive way towards health and insulin sensitivity and fat loss, like what I just talked about. Because, you know, by no means is uh, alcohol a health food. It's just that there might be some additional health benefits. So that's one area that seems to have some benefit. Now, there also is um, potentially some benefit to our brain and our heart 
and this is one of the things that we see, you know, when people talk about the cultures throughout the world, and Japanese and drinking sake, and Italians and drinking red wine, and French and, and wine, and the, these cultures that regularly drink alcohol in moderation, um, and there's some kind of large-scale scientific data that supports these, basically the idea that low to moderate drinker tends to live longer and they have a lower risk of cardiovascular disease, they're more protected from Alzheimer's, and have lower risk for certain types of cancer and depression, and then those who abstain completely from alcohol, which is very, very interesting. Now, does that necessarily mean that the alcohol is the main driver of these health-related benefits, or does it really mean that alcohol is sort of a confounding variable in that with these small amounts of alcohol, you know, in the kind of in the context of, of healthy diet and regular exercise, um, maybe, I think I said confounded, but what I mean more is correlational to the idea that what is it about the other elements of their life that the alcohol is just being present uh, within? And a couple of the things that we look at is they're married, they have good relationships and friends to drink with. A lot of these cultures have a very strong sense of community and purpose, um, and they have regular outlets for stress relief. They're very physically active in that they walk a lot, they do physical um, activity, physical labor, whether it's farming, um, gathering water, walking all day, every day. So I think all of these factors are relevant as opposed to just cherry picking and saying, well, these cultures drink wine, therefore it's okay for me to drink wine. We have to look at the correlational data. So one of the key takeaways here is that, you know, I don't think alcohol has to be completely eliminated from your life if you're trying to lose fat, if you're trying to improve your health. There's definitely some benefits there, but what else is going on that may be hindering or contributing to, you know, your goals and the process. So let's kind of move into some of the deleterious effects of alcohol, which I think we're all aware of, but aren't important to discuss. So first and foremost is we absolutely know that alcohol is absolutely horrific for our sleep. It negatively impacts our sleep cycle. And I've talked, there's enough episodes here where we dive into sleep. We talk about uh, circadian rhythms and stress management and parasympathetic nervous system and the impact, uh, just the benefit of sleeping enough as being probably our, our main driver of stress management, of promoting anabolism, right? The anabolic mode, if we're talking about guilt building muscle. If we're talking about burning body fat, or we're talking about managing stress, living a happy lifestyle, feeling energized, we have to be getting appropriate amounts of quality sleep. And the one thing that alcohol, without question, does is negatively impact our sleep cycle. So it disrupts both our sleep quality, our duration. And although people feel like, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 because you feel like, uh, I get home at the end of a long day, I use it as a stress management tool, it helps me unwind, relax, helps me fall asleep a little bit easier. But the reality is that, you know, the research shows very clearly that the overall quality of the sleep is uh, decreased due to both lower uh, REM sleep, so that's that rapid eye movement sleep, lower amounts of deep sleep, and more frequent night training. And I've tracked this on myself 
for months at a time using the aura ring, which uh, is a ring you wear on your finger that kind of tracks that the, that deep sleep, the REM sleep, that uh, sleep duration. And, you know, I don't know, uh, to be honest, how accurate it is, but very clearly for me, and I subjectively experienced this as well, as it, it's, I'm very aware of when I drink versus I don't drink and the quality of my sleep, how I feel thereafter. Because we know adequate REM sleep is critical for fat burning, right? It's critical for recovery from workouts. And it's during that REM sleep when we release the most amount of growth hormone, which is crucial in helping us burn fat and improve and kind of repair muscles. Um, so the more you drink, the worse your sleep. And I know for myself, I think that what I've experienced is the more sensitive you get, the more kind of dialed into your nutrition, your sleep cycles, the consistency of it that you get, the more you notice, um, the more sensitive you get to the effects of the alcohol, the more you notice that it's really impacting you uh, and negatively impacting you to the degree that I really notice, even if it's just one glass, like five ounces of wine, depending on the wine. And I think that matters too. And I'm probably not going to really go into the different types of wine. I think that would make for a, a good episode down the road is talking about the different types of wine and how a lot of the over-the-counter stuff that you'd buy at the liquor store has a lot of ingredients in it. It's filtered in a way that it takes out a lot of the health benefits uh, versus uh, imported wines. Some of the new low, lower sugar, lower alcohol wines. But again, let, let me get into that at a different time. So the more you're in tune uh, the more you really start to realize how it's negatively impacting you. I, I certainly have observed that. So it, it negatively impacts our sleep, without question. It dehydrates the body. So alcohol is a strong diuretic and alters our kidneys function, right? You've noticed when you drink alcohol, you may have the tendency to pee more. So it's dehydrating. Within that is because we're losing more fluids, we're losing more electrolytes, sodium, magnesium, potassium, chloride, phosphorus, bicarbonate, and that's altering our biochemical cellular function. And, and most people don't adequately replace their fluid losses due to the alcohol intake. And so it's so dehydrating that it's a major contributor to Kind of what happens when we wake up after drinking multiple drinks is we have this headache. We have this hangover feeling the day after drinking. And so it's so important that you're rehydrating as much as possible, both while you're drinking and then the morning after as not just drinking plain water, but also getting in enough of the electrolytes. So one of the things that I like to do or suggest that my clients do is, is putting in some sea salt into your water while you're drinking as well as uh, in the morning after. I like to use my complete essentials, specifically the lemon lime version has a lot more sodium in it. And uh, this is just a shameless plug for the, the complete essentials are all in one workout product, which, you know, we put, we've intentionally put a lot of electrolytes, sodium, magnesium, potassium into that product. Basically, you could think about it being a Gatorade with all the shitty coloring and flavorings and sugar. Um, and that's a great product to consume on the morning after. If you're feeling like you're dehydrated, hungover, because you're going to shuttle in a lot of those electrolytes, you're going to get amino acids, you're going to get some of the carnitine and um, citrulline that help improve blood flow and really just can help you feel better. But regardless, is that that's still happening. 
is you're dehydrating yourself and that's potentially a problem, especially if we're not drinking enough water in the first place. And in my experience, right, some of the recommendations are like drink one glass of water for every glass of alcohol that you drink. Yeah, that's all good and well, but then you're going to be up all night peeing and your quality of sleep is going to be further interrupted. Um, so that in and of itself is an issue. And so that, you know, you may, that's kind of where some of the nuances come in is maybe you can't drink later at night and maybe you need to cons if you do consume alcohol it really needs to be earlier maybe just with a meal and that's it so you, these are some of the things that you can play with but the other major problem right is we're all aware as we've all experienced i mean we all went to college i can't even tell you the number of times that the number of the stupid decisions that i've made while under the influence of alcohol throughout my life um, I can't even count them. And, uh, you know, it impairs our decision-making process. This we've all experienced. It inhibits, it directly inhibits our, our brain's decision-making centers that control our impulsive behavior. So what happens? We suffer some of us. We use it as a social vice, right? It makes us more outgoing, more extroverted. It makes us happier. It makes us feel happier. It actually, alcohol is a depressant, right? But it, it, our perceptions become different. It makes us more outgoing. It helps us feel more comfortable. It helps us manage stress more effectively. It can make us more aggressive. Uh, it can make us more daring. It can enhance our emotions. It can make us, uh, actually, some of the research shows that over a few drinks, it can actually increase your testosterone. Hence, kind of men specifically starting to get more aggressive, whereas multiple drinks down the road, we definitely know that it decreases testosterone, evidenced by, you know, for some of the men listening, maybe you've had way too many drinks one night and you simply couldn't perform in the bedroom. Um, that absolutely has to do with the alcohol's impact on your testosterone. So it impairs our decision-making process. Um, it, it blunts our brain's sense of willpower, uh, helps you know our, our ability to stick to a healthy diet, right? So when we're under the influence, we're a lot more likely to choose foods that probably we wouldn't otherwise consume. And that's where it comes in. Well, I'll just have a burger and fries. I'll just have pizza. I'll just have wings. Again, extremely calorically dense foods that in the grand scheme of things probably will put our net calorie intake into um, a major surplus. And that's something you need to account for is, yeah, I drink only drink a few days a week, but when I do drink, and this is something I've encountered multiple times and had many, many, many conversations with clients about is understanding that the implications of when you do have a few drinks, if you're consuming significantly more calories during those periods of time to the degree that when we look at a whole week is we see that your net calorie intake is much higher then that is going to contribute to weight gain. You've got to understand those things. Um, and to make matters worse, alcohol has a stimulatory effect on the, the brain's hunger and control center. So what happens when we drink? We get home and you're like, yeah, I want pizza and garlic knots. And, um, you know, what do we do in college? Like all the pizza rolls and lean pocket, hot pockets and all that crap, pop tarts and whatever. So 
that's why, you know, when we're drinking, many of us will experience cravings for foods that we wouldn't normally seek out. And these are often salty or fried or super sugary foods. So we just make poor decisions. Plus the increase in the hunger equals just this perfect storm for making very, very bad food decisions. You're, you're well aware of that. You know, as an example though, is like just say you have a few drinks, right? Let's say you hit a happy hour you were, you were quote-unquote good, and you had a couple low-calorie drinks, maybe a glass of wine, or maybe a couple tequilas on the rocks with some lime juice, which is something that I absolutely love. Um, but then you're like, hmm, I was good, and I've been quote-unquote good all day or good all week, and I'm on my way home, and man, I sure could go for a burger and fries, and you roll through In-N-Out, and you may not be familiar with In-N-Out, but it's absolutely delicious. Um, and extremely calorically dense burgers and fries here on the West Coast, at least Colorado, Arizona, California. Um, and you get, you know, like a double-double fries. And man, you can easily hit 1,000, 1,500 calories with just one of those meals. And that in and of itself could put you way off the rails. So just understand that it's not the alcohol. It's this decisions that you're making when you're under the influence that are really detrimental. And this is all from a calorie standpoint. Um, I alluded to in the beginning is what are the decisions that you're making and how are you handling your life or what are you hiding from when you choose to drink alcohol? Like I said, for me, I would, you know, in a given weeknight or weekend night, when I asked myself, one is habitually, just the habit of pouring a glass of wine or, or wanting to have a drink or wanting to have something in my hand um, or something to drink while I'm cooking dinner, I think for a lot of us is, is a big one. Um, so one, it's the habit, uh, but it also is why am I drinking it? I'm feeling very stressed out. I'm feeling like I need something to blunt the anger or the stress or the emotions that I'm feeling right now towards my work, towards my children, towards my wife, towards my financial situation, whatever it may be, then you're not really identifying or addressing the underlying mechanism there of, of the feelings that you're experiencing and how to, how to cope with the feelings uh, of what you're experiencing. So, I don't think it's healthy to use alcohol as a mask or something to hide from the emotions that you're experiencing. Okay, so within that is, I think really quickly, um, I wanna touch on the role of alcohol and um, our exercise and muscle mass. Uh, and ultimately, like I said, too much alcohol, you're gonna suppress testosterone. And I think the research is based on like multiple, multiple, maybe eight to 10 drinks of suppressing testosterone, um, which is pretty aggressive uh, in a, a male population. Uh, and then similarly is we do know that alcohol um, and suppressing testosterone as well as decreasing muscle recovery. And again, I think the muscle recovery research is based on multiple, multiple alcoholic beverages. So is it a good idea to go train hard and then go binge drinking. Nope, bad idea. You probably could have guessed that though. Is it a good idea to binge drink and 
you know, think that it's going to do anything positive for your muscle gains or your testosterone. No, it's definitely not going to help you in any respect. So we, with, you know, just a quick research study, alcohol ingestion after sport and exercise worsens all major aspects of post-exercise recovery. Alcohol slows down the repair process of exercise-induced muscle damage by inhibiting the functions of hormones that usually aid in this process, such as testosterone. And I'll provide a little reference link in the show notes here, but I think, you know, what is very clear is like, look, don't expect to be eating, quote-unquote, well, training hard with the with the goal of improving your performance, increasing your muscle mass and or decreasing your body fat and then going out every single weekend and binge drinking and think that you're going to be doing yourself any favors. You're wasting your time, money and energy and you need to look at the elephant in the room which is your drinking habits. And this is a tough conversation that I've had to have with numerous clients so much so that they can't figure out why they're not losing weight, losing body fat. And when I've gone into uh, and really dug into their calorie intake, alcohol represents a significant portion of their daily caloric intake. Multiple drinks per day, significantly higher amounts on the weekends. It's a metabolic disaster. So... Here's one of the caveats is even if you're in this calorie deficit because of the impact of alcohol and the way that you store other calories, it might not be enough to make progress. So that's where you need to, where the rubber hits the road and you need to take a good hard look at what you're doing and ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing and is what you're doing benefiting you to any degree. The last thing that I'll touch on is I think that one of the values of, I don't know if it's a value per se, but one of the benefits of alcohol is it does help to bring us all together. And what a lot of us miss is a strong sense of community and social support. So, you know, the good and the bad of the fact that alcohol is so socially acceptable is that it makes it very easy for us to get together and to have a drink with a, a friend or a loved one or a partner in a way that can be very meaningful and, and have nothing to do with the alcohol. The alcohol is present, but it gives us the opportunity to, you know, to be present with one another. For me, um, one of the ways that I, it's kind of sad to, to say this, but one of the ways that I connect with my father is just over maybe different, you know, bottles of whiskey or scotch or tequila. Have you tried this? Have you tried this? For Christmas, I got him a really nice uh, Japanese bottle of whiskey and, and we had, you know, a drink together. And for us, we're not terribly good at communicating with each other verbally, but just to be in each other's presence um, over, you know, a drink or a cigar, for me, that's pretty meaningful. And so I don't think that to polarize alcohol into either good or bad is, is appropriate when those types of situations exist. I, I will, I don't know. I just think that's an element that's worth adding in. Hey guys, 
Real quickly, I wanna to talk to you about my nutrition company, BSL Nutrition, and our all-in-one training drink called Complete Essentials. This is a comprehensive exercise formula that I personally created after experiencing years of frustration, working with hundreds of individuals and athletes that were not getting the nutrition that they needed before, during, and after their workouts. After using numerous workout powders that were low quality, overpriced, chock full of caffeine and artificial sweeteners, and were flat out useless, I said enough is enough, and figured out how to create a nutritionally dense, comprehensive and high quality product with ingredients that you can feel good about taking and giving to your family. When you use Complete Essentials, you'll no longer need pre, during and post-workout supplements. You'll save time, money and energy and get all of the beneficial nutrients you need in one delicious, easy to mix drink. It's just the ingredients that you need to give you great natural energy improve your recovery and reduce your muscle soreness with no caffeine or artificial sweeteners. You can learn more about our complete essentials at bslnutritionshop.com and check out the show notes below for a nice little discount on your first purchase as my way of saying thank you for listening. That's it. Let's head back to the show. So let's jump into, let's, I think this is a gone, as do most of my solo rounds, gone longer than I anticipated. So let's jump into a few healthy drinking rules that you can take and run with. First is, as I said, the type of the alcohol, like the amount of calories in the alcoholic beverage really do matter. And so you need to look at alcohol the same way that you would look at other foods and basically stay away from the really calorically dense ones. Obviously, choose something that you enjoy, but if you only enjoy margaritas, if you only enjoy extremely sweet mixed, you know, um, like uh, umbrella cocktails, then maybe you shouldn't really be drinking or maybe you should really limit the amount that you're consuming for a couple when you're on vacation because those things are calorie bombs. So what do we want to be shooting for? Like top shelf liquor, dry champagnes, lower sugar wines, and straight alcohol. Uh, my personal preference is a good tequila on the rocks, maybe some lime juice, um, a good whiskey or scotch, you know, a, a, a hard alcohol mixed with club soda. Uh, I do enjoy beers occasionally. Um, but I find that from a gut health standpoint and from a calorie standpoint, they can add up really, really quickly. And, you know, maybe a dry red wine. Um, the worst, the absolute worst things that you can consume, like I said, margaritas, sugary wines, ciders. I love ciders because uh, a lot of people turn to ciders because they're just super tasty because they have a lot of sugar and they're gluten free. But they, like I said, they also have a lot of sugar in them. Uh, gin and tonics, vodka tonics, vodka and juice, alcohol and soda, you know, like Jack and Cokes, uh, malt beverages, Mike's Hard Lemonade, um, Schmirnoff Ice. Those things are awful because they're super calorically dense and sweet. It's the sugar plus the alcohol. So you really want to stick to just the alcohol component if you can. So that was rule number one. Rule number two is try and limit your drinking to when it matters most. When you're going to enjoy it the most, I think, is not just to drink, just 
to have a drink. Like when, you know, I think about when I turned 21 is any opportunity I had to order a drink, I ordered a drink because I could order a drink. It was just sort of the novelty of like, I'm allowed to drink, therefore I'm going to drink. But at this point, I'm 40, and so that has since far from wore off, and I'm thankful for that. But it's like, just because I have the ability or it's in my presence doesn't mean I have to drink. Just because I have the habit of getting home and having a glass of wine or a drink doesn't mean I need to have a drink. Just because there's beer in the fridge doesn't mean I have to have a beer and it's Saturday night. And so limiting it to, you know, maybe one to three times a week, maybe just for a couple drinks at each of those occasions, I have to tell you that, and I'm throwing in a lot of my own experience here because I don't really have anything else. I mean, this is exactly what I do with my clients, but I don't really have another reference. don't know that we necessarily have scientific research to support one to three times a week per se as being this magic number. You have to do what works best for you. But saying maybe when you go out to dinner with your partner on Friday or Saturday night, then have a, maybe it's just nice to have a glass of wine together. What my wife and I have been doing that's been absolutely phenomenal is we really like sparkling water, specifically with lemon and lime in it. Uh, like a Pellegrino or a Gerolsteiner. And so when we go out to eat, we went on a, we just did a little staycation the other weekend and we got, the waitress brought us a nice big wine glass with a bunch of lemon and limes on the side. And we had the, the Pellegrino in the wine glass and it was just sort of the tangible holding a wine glass. It was a, a beautiful environment and we had a great time and didn't at all miss not having alcohol present. Uh, similarly, I've been out to drink, uh, out to eat with a couple buddies in the last couple of weeks, and whereas I normally would have gotten a beverage, I, I didn't really feel the urge. I got sparkling water. In one particular case, I got it in a nice lowball kind of whiskey glass, and just to have something to hold on to, to drink that's not just tap water, I think makes a big difference, and it makes a big difference for me at least. So. Just a couple couple drinks at a time, I think would, would probably be smart. Um, that's what I've observed from just coaching hundreds of, of people throughout the years and also looking at just the serving, the amount of the drink when you have it. Like, you know, one to two drinks, but are you actually having one drink or is, is one drink multiple drinks in one? Um, I think about, I just was watching on TV the movie Spanglish the other day and the grandma who's hilarious and total alcoholic um in the movie she in one of the scenes she takes this white wine and she pours like a full glass of white wine which is probably easily half of a bottle and the daughter comes in and she's like mom it's not even noon yet and uh so you know if you're pouring one of those glasses then obviously it's it's not one glass. And then obviously within that is choosing lower sugar, sugar options. And then rule number three. So we said the type of alcohol you're consuming, the amount of alcohol you're consuming. And then what are we doing while we're consuming alcohol, right? Is what we eat when we're consuming and what we eat prior to consuming matters. So you really should be focusing on eating, not necessarily lower calorie, but what I tend to uh, gravitate towards or, or suggest, like let's say you know you're going to drink a fair amount in a given night or weekend. Well, then from a calorie standpoint, it makes sense to choose lower calorie foods. 
keep your protein intake high, keep your veggie intake high, and really moderate your carbohydrate intake from starchy carbs. So keep your rice, your potato, your bread, your pasta, your sugary foods very low, and keep your fat intake very low as well. So the oils, the avocado, the butter, the coconut oil, um, the fatty meats, you will want to keep those much lower in, uh, in and around those meals so that it doesn't become too many calories and so that while your body's metabolizing the alcohol, you don't store too many of those calories as fat. Again, because alcohol's right, it's quote unquote preferentially metabolized. It's a toxin, it's a poison. And so your body needs to burn it off first. And while it's burning it off, you're gonna have the propensity to store other calories as fat. And that's why what we eat in and around those times really matters. So one of the suggestions I'll make, as I said, is if you know you're gonna be drinking a fair amount, then keep your calories from the other calorically dense foods relatively low. Try and keep your protein high, try and keep your veggies high, and keep your carbs, your refined carbs and your fats pretty reasonably low. I think that's probably some of the best advice that I can give. Uh, I would ad advise and say that if you think you have a problem with alcohol, if you think you use alcohol as I know I do, I said it's a slippery slope for me. And when I start drinking, it's not that I get out of control. It's not that, you know, physically it's a problem, but mentally, emotionally, in terms of my productivity, it is a problem for me, and I can admit that, and I'm okay with it, and it doesn't mean I'm never going to drink again, but these are some of the hard questions that we need to ask ourselves, especially the fact that I feel like I'm a better person when I'm not drinking consistently, especially around my family, especially because I feel like I can get more done, my sleep is better. I'm willing to admit that. Um, I'm not in a position where I'm willing to eliminate it 100%, nor do I think I need to. Uh, and I will continue to kind of lead by the approach of when I drink, I'm going to make sure it's meaningful. I'm going to be with buddies who I love. Um, I'm going to be with family whom I love. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to spend time with people and just make sure I'm enjoying it versus I'm just drinking to drink, just to feel good. So I hope that this episode, while longer than I anticipated, has provided some value for you. I'd love to know what your experience is with alcohol, what has worked, what hasn't worked, what kind of stance you are currently implementing in your life. And if this has been in any way helpful, if it has, please let me know. Just shoot me an email, ben at bslnutrition.com. Share this with someone whom you think could benefit. Leave me a positive rating and review in iTunes. That really would, would mean the world to me. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. Did you love this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show? Then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a positive rating and review. And more importantly, share this with other men that you know are dedicated to leveling up in every area of their life by learning how to live healthier, more energetic, and productive lives so that they can optimize their health for their family and future. Thank you for listening. And if you want to find out more about how you can work directly with Ben, then just head on over to www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up.